All right, so here we are, lawyer talk off the record, but on the air. Now, we are back um, with the Belinsky Chronicles, um, and it's just too good to leave alone. And I, I, I think... I don't know about podcast. What do I know about podcast? I, I don't know. All I know oh, is that this is good. As we sit here and stuff. talk this morning, I'm like, it's, is is are we recording right now? It's like let's just roll this with is it. Good. We can cut it. We can do whatever we want with it. This is good let's stuff. Let's just roll with it. But let's talk for a second. I mean, we're, we're talking to Jared Blinsky, and I think by now the cat's out of the bag, right? The cat's we, out of the bag. We met professionally, sort of first, but maybe not quite first. So from you know from my perspective, I get clients all the time. So let's just let's just go back to 2009 for a second and to set the scene yet again. Eric Yavich, my dear friend. Um, now see, now I'm gonna bust my own shell, but yeah. my dear friend, yeah. he's gone. Like, and here I am, sort of floating around in this world. When you used to having a co-pilot, and then you don't, that crutch. You realize that you really needed that crutch more than you let on. And when you're when you're used to having a little bit of support, even if it's just somebody to say, hey, man, I'm going to take tomorrow off. Is that cool? And just to hear it. Yeah, no, no, no worries, man. Go, even if yeah. it's just that. Yeah. But even it, it was more than that for me to have at least somebody who I could say, look, man, I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to do something crazy in this case. What do you think? And then kick me in the nuts and tell me you're dumb or don't no freaking way or say, yeah, let's go for it. But at least you're going for it together. So if you yeah. fall on your ass, it's always easier yeah. to fall down with somebody else than it is alone. Right. I mean, I think and the great thing about Eric, the, the stories you've told me about is this, you'd have a crazy idea that was brilliant and then he'd tweak it a little and he would tweak it a little. Right. Yeah. So it yeah. would, and, and we did like, he would come in, I'd come in and he'd be doing some, he was talking, he loved breath tests here. I mean, this guy was a breath. He loved OVI cases when he, when he was into it. And he'd be coming in, and, and I'd be, "What are you talking about, man?" He's like, "Well, you know, if they they don't have this, they're not testing your deep lung breath. They're they're testing just regular breath. How do they know what breath you're testing?" I was like, "What are you freaking talking about?" And like, but next thing I know, I'm in his office, and I'm trying to do this like long division. On, yeah. I was like, "We're doing yeah. ratios." I was like, All right, "I think I remember this X over whatever." And I, yeah. I was like, "No, that's the math, man. You're right. Take it to court." He go to court and do it. We just yeah. made it up as we it's go. It's like this huge motion hearing, and you go. How about we just go get the case resolved? <laughs> right. Eric, Eric prepares. He's got, he's got the, he brought in a two liter bottle one time. He's like, that's how much breath they're supposed to have. Or like, they're supposed to have 210 of these and they're only taking like half of this. Oh, that's so, awesome. I mean, it, it was fascinating. And then we did another, uh, we were way off, but it, it's like, we did this trial up in Delaware County and, uh, this woman had, uh, burned her house down or allegedly burned her house down. And, um, I got this harebrained idea from a seminar some way that what we needed to do for our opening statement. See, the, the defense was, you wouldn't burn your own house down with all your stuff in it. Well, that's dumb. Yeah. And everybody looked at me sort of like, and you know, it dawned on me because I was, um, I was reading fourth and I was actually doing legal research. Imagine that man, I was reading cases and it turns out that the fire marshal himself or herself, they're allowed to go into a still burning house because without a warrant, because you know it might flash up. Yeah. And while they're in there, if they take a peek around and sees a bunch of evidence that's incriminating, well, that's okay because they were allowed to be there. But so I was reading a bunch of stuff about what people look for, what fire marshals find, and in in some paragraph of some case, they started to talk about how in arson cases, usually what they do is that you can't prove how the fire started, so then they just call it arson. And they start to look for things like, to support that, they start to, imagine that science. Well, we don't know how it started, so it must be arson. It's like, wait a yeah. minute, that's a bunch of horse shit. But, they, to, but to look for support, they look for guys who like take out all the, all the family documents or the, yeah. you know, the diamonds or the, the safe is gone. In law school, or, we had a fire marshal speak, and he actually had photographs of like garages that are just full of everything in the house. So right. they threw the garage open and they took every like you know every piece of property they had and they just filled it to the to the ceiling. Right. And it's like, well, well, it it's turns probably out arson. it turns out that this client of ours took nothing out of the house, but really had nothing of value either. Right. Just, I mean, it, this wasn't somebody flush with cash. It was a court appointed case. It was sort of a. I I do this sometimes. I just take cases on for nothing because I just sort of like them, and that was what it was. And uh, you didn't take mine on for nothing. No, no. (laughs) No. If you did it again, I might. (laughs) But uh, so it dawned on me in the middle of night one night. 
I was like, she had nothing of value, but I just sort of liked this notion that she didn't take anything out of the house. But then they would just say, well, who gives a crap, man? That she old nothing. wing chair, that old yeah. uh, you know, wing back chair is worth nothing. And I say that because that's sort of where the fire, one of the places where the fire started. But, and then it dawned on me. I called up this client that day, and I said, you had two kids, two daughters. Did you save all the, the grade school projects? I didn't even have kids at this point. And uh, it just it, it came to me in a flash. This is what happens to me. It probably does to you in your cooking stuff, right? I, I was sitting staring at the ceiling one night, and I was like, uh-huh. that stuff isn't valuable. It's priceless. Yeah. I can make a defense out of You would have removed yeah. that. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I did save all that. I said, well, tell me about that stuff. And she says, well, I had this chest in the basement, and it had my scrapbooks. And she's in tears by now. I had my scrapbooks. I remember this one construction paper project that had yarn tied to it, and it said mom, and it was all these letters that, uh, and I had this. She had saved everything. And I can't remember it off the top of my head. And I was like, that's it. I can build a defense out of that. All right, so now we know we've got the defense. And I go to Eric, and I was like, I got it, man. We got the defense. What are we going to do? And he's like, well, we'll just, you know, that'll be the theme. And I, I, I had this another harebrained revelation. I was like, the way she described that stuff to me, I just, I remember thinking, man, I wish she could make the opening statement. I wish I could just have her stand up there and talk about those construction paper projects, the one that said mom and the little stuff there and the little stuff there. And uh, so I decided that Eric was going to do the opening statement and he was going to act like he was her. Oh. All right. So, which is like, if you picture Eric, he's like five foot nothing and, you know, he's a short little guy. And he shaved his head at this little, point? No, that was a different job. <laughs> he was a little pudgy at the time. I don't know. But anyway, we go up there in an opening statement. And I had caught wind of this idea at some national seminar yeah. somewhere. Yeah, I've heard this too. But we, we go, I get up there and I was like, I, I didn't have the stones to do it. But, Eric just was fearless, right? Yep. He was just fearless. Yep. He gets up there and he uh, and he starts talking about some story that our client had told us that it was nonsense, right? It sounded like nonsense. And he goes, "Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to introduce myself. My name is Lucinda Whiting." And um, everybody's like, "What the hell is going on here? Mm-hmm. These guys are freaking stupid. These guys are nuts." Mm-hmm. And you could just see people like getting real uncomfortable with it, and they didn't. Like people are like making these faces and even, and so he goes through this whole story and then he's like, and he, said, and he starts to talk about the second grade construction paper projects and the little things hanging on the stir on the yarn and, and the scrapbooks and the little picture of the baby when she was only this. And it was the only one it was before. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. It was like 20 minutes of this stuff. And, and then he's like, and they want to blame me for burning all that stuff. You know, he almost, he almost had tears when he did it and yeah. he sits down. And nobody knows what the hell just got dropped in that courtroom. And what judge had this case? You remember? It was uh, it was a visiting judge. It was, should have been Judge uh, Shaw's courtroom up in Delaware County. It was uh, Richard Marcus, I think, was sitting mm-hmm. in by by um, great judge, smart, smart guy, um, good evidence, knew his stuff. Um, and even afterwards, we got all this feedback about how bad it was. Really, people hated it. Like, man, you could have done the same thing, except you didn't have to act like her. That was sort of weird. And uh, we go through this whole trial, and there's everything from alleged confessions uh, by our client to, like, painfully obvious signs. Um, I mean, there was one point she kicked a – so the house is burning. She got, The neighbor testifies that she went over to the neighbor's house, walks in the door, doesn't knock, walks right in, goes to the kitchen, grabs a beer out of the fridge – sits down, stares at the aquarium where the feces are swimming, and says, you better call the fire department. I just lit my house on fire. That was the guy's testimony. Oops. It's like, huh. That's incriminating. There was other testimony that said there there was a divorce decree that this client of ours was going to lose the house if it weren't refied by the very next day after the fire. Mm. So, like, if, if... in a divorce, she, she, she apparently got the house, but she had to have it refinanced out of the ex's name. Otherwise, she's going to lose it. goes back to him. So, And then when the fire department does come and the police come, she goes out and starts – there's testimony, all public record, that she goes out and starts to tackle the firemen and, in their view, try to prevent them from putting out the fire. 
that's the evidence. Hmm. So I'm staring at the ceiling that night thinking, how am I going to overcome that? I was like, well, why would she burn around? There's nothing valuable in there, nothing, but there's priceless stuff. So this, this, is, this is what started the whole defense. So this is the trial. And all that tells Eric goes up and drops that opening statement, acting like our client. Are you covering your mouth like, oh, crap, I can't believe he's doing this? I was like, you know, it was in those days when I was just too – I was sort of like you, man, yeah. Jared. I mean, I was just yeah. like, I was, I was just like, screw it. I don't care. I don't care. It's like Top Gun. We're head to head. I can't believe we're doing this. I can't believe we're doing this. Right. <laughs> it's like, I didn't care. And I always had this philosophy. You've seen me say it a thousand times. I go over to court and they're like, well, we never do it this way. I was like, since when do I give a crap how you ever do it? Yeah. Like, we, we are doing it this way. At my sentencing, I had a, a, some people were there, family, friends, Afterwards, a buddy of mine comes to me. He's like, "Man, I knew you had a good attorney, but I didn't know you had Dick Wolf." <laughs> he was, he told he me was like, story. "Who wrote that?" He was like, "That was amazing," which he did. He had him going. He had the bailiff cry. Yeah, yeah. There were people in tears in that yeah. that day. Me too. Yeah. 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 Okay, that's a good, we're going to tell. We're going to tell we'll that. We'll get story. to the sentence. Yeah, that one yeah. we got to tell again. So Eric goes up and drops this thing on the on the. The, I mean, it was a media case. The Delaware Gazette was there. The news were there. I mean, this was a big case up there. Mic drop. And uh, we tried the rest of the case. I remember the arson investigator. I had our own expert. They had theirs. And then the insurance expert came. And I, we had this little fortunate twist of fate where the insurance investigator found something a tiny bit different or something different but significant enough than the fire marshal found about the causation of the fire. We had our own guy come in um, from Dayton who testified some other way. I don't remember what the whole, the whole mess was. But I made a bunch of stink about how the fire started and where it started. And I just didn't like this notion that the way you prove arson is just by you can't figure out it's anything else. I was like, that's just not fair. So I remember I had this marshal on the stand, and he's like – and I, I went through that with him. I tried to go through this questioning where I was like, you know, and let me just ask you about how you, the science of this, or if you want to call it science. I mean, as I understand it, you guys go look for a cause. Yes, sir. And if you can't figure it out, then he goes, then it's arson. And I'm looking. And I was like, oh, shit. I sort of stepped into that one. And I was like, yeah. I started turning. I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. Hold on one second. And this is, Jeff, this is a moment in time that you'll have when you cross-examine somebody. Or when you're in the middle of a cross-examination and all the rules go out the window. Yep. yep. All the world just is gone and you're standing there. And it's just you and this witness and nothing else matters. And you don't even know what you're doing. But I turned around and I put my finger out and I said, you can't tell anybody in this courtroom, not for one second, how this fire started. And he said, no. You can't. And then, it, then it's like game on. Yeah. And you can't look right over here at this woman sitting here at this table and say that she did it. No. You have no clue what happened here. And I want you to look at them and tell them that. I don't know how the fire started, right? And mm. it was like it was like that moment. It's goosebumps. I was, I was just like, yeah. I sat back down and I was just like, "Damn right, man!" Yeah, right. <laughs> I planned it the whole time, man. Damn right, yeah. And uh, and everything was so improbable. Like I could it could have yeah. blown up in my face a thousand yeah. times, but yeah. it didn't. And we end up getting her. They the jury hangs. We, I did the closing argument, and, every, and Eric's like, "Are you going to act like her?" Because we talked about. <laughs> I was like, "I was like, I don't think that's a good idea to do yeah, that again." We, we, I was so, sort yeah. of shy about that. Yeah. One now, but I got I went over like a fart in jerk. But then I could stand up and I said, "You know what, guys, ladies and gentlemen, I don't have to play the role now of of our client for you guys to understand the loss that was suffered that day, not the loss of the." the siding on the house or the shingles on the house or the, yeah. or the carpet or, or even the money. I mean, that's just money, but the loss of the priceless things, I don't have to play the role because you all have those things in your world too. And you understand it too. You have in your world, the priceless memories that you can't afford to lose at any cost. You have all that stuff in your world. And now, Think about if somebody said that you destroyed it on purpose. You know, it's like that was the closing argument. Yeah, yeah. And the prosecutor gets up and says, yeah, that's all fine and dandy, but she sort of admitted it, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. I'm like, well, you know, maybe. But the jury acquitted on a lot, on some of it, convicted on a, on a small, and hung on most of it, right? So it was, it was a win by every yeah, measure oh, of the case, given those facts. So, Would you cut a deal after that? 
It didn't get retried, did it? Uh, I think she ended up cutting a deal, and almost to the end, she was furious about having to say yeah, guilty. Denied. We did an Alfred yeah. plea where she admitted guilt, but only for the purpose of avoiding a trial. Yeah. And uh, that was that. But uh, anyway, this is – I don't even know why I'm talking about this. This was the reason that when I lost Eric in this business, lost him. What a, I mean, what a phenomenal lawyer he was. I mean, just yeah. in – it's like watching him work in court and we complimented each other in such a way that it, it just worked. Like he did – he was the client and then I sort of – I gave him like a little backhanded slide. Like I don't have to be her. I mean I can, you guys know. And it was like it sort of – like worked. everybody took Yin a deep breath that, that, yeah. and we were able to sort of tell everybody in the courtroom like, yeah, we know that was weird. Right? Yeah, we know it. But it made the point. Proved the point. Um, yep. Anyway, and you came into my world, Jared, right at the heels. You never got to meet him, and I don't know how your case would have gone without or with him here, you know, because he would have been the guy that probably would have been with you in federal court and had a whole different style of of doing things. And then there is this value, probably as you know now, there's a value that you can never see to getting completely cut down to nothing. And having to start over in a lot of ways. I mean, mm-hmm. to to really have to go to the bottom and and feel sad, to, to feel that kind of loss, to feel that kind of grief, to look at yourself in the mirror and say, "I don't even know who I'm looking at anymore," and then figure out what it is after that. And that was I was on that journey when Shorty came into my office, and I didn't nobody. I didn't. I was too proud that at that time to tell anybody that. I mean, I was way too proud. To look at Shorty and say, yeah, I lost Eric and I'm, I'm miserable and I'm secretly really sad about it. And I never really gone to talk to anybody about it. I'm depressed. And, yeah. you know, I got all this stuff out here and I'm not really having fun at work anymore. And I'm drinking. And I'm drinking a lot and I'm doing this stuff. And it didn't interfere with – I mean, my job was still getting done and getting done well. But it's like it didn't have the – I just didn't. Well, you still knew how to turn the switch on. I could still I could still do that. Even if you stayed up all night, you could come in and But it was get more it mechanical – and less real and mm. I could go fake it and do it, but I just hadn't found my path again. Not, yeah. not completely, but then shorty walks in my office yep. and, and, and you know, then yeah, she comes in, I'm, I'm, I'm in jail. I'm on the phone. We don't have a lawyer. We got this new lawyer and I'm like, Oh my goodness. You guys they bring, they, they bring me up from Butler. Now we're meeting. Now you're trying to get me out. And uh, what, what was that called when you gave me out there? I mean, the show detention hearing. Oh, yeah. a detention hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. detention hearing. Yeah, so, you know, I I walk in. I see this. I've never met him before. I'm shackled up. I'm, my head's down. It's and, like GQ, top-notch. And, and what I heard, and this was one of the biggest things that hurt me in the, in the, whole, the whole thing, one of the biggest things when I heard the United States of America versus Jared Belinsky. Pow. Boom. I was like. The whole country hates me. Yeah, and you don't understand. I love my country. I mean, I do. I I, I know you. Do. I yeah. love my country, and I was like, that was that was a real that was real right then and there. United States of America, that was real. And I remember seeing them, and you're like, no, no, don't don't worry about it. you. Ain't got something you can do. I got, I'll, I'll do the talking. I got this here. And then we got done. You, you were like, go home, get a cheeseburger, take a shower. And uh, we'll come over, schedule a meeting, and come so out. So we got you out. You got me out. Because the first, Dave didn't. Dave Thomas. That's not because of his ability. No, no, no. They, that were, was, they that, were that ready was, to let you out. Yeah. They, so they let me out there. And then you were like, go home, shower up, you know. But and, there was a lesson you learned. Because I remember that day. And, and federal court's a scary place, man. I mean, it's like, it's scary. And at the same time, it's not so scary. Because the thing about federal court is that it, it's sort of clean in a way. I mean, it's a, it's like there's no – you don't feel like you're ever getting homered. You don't feel like you're ever getting backdoored. You don't, it's business. It's, it's like formal. They treat you very well, even in your shoes. They, they I mean, one, look, the, look the, the gorillas that kick in your door, they're going to give you a little grief, right? They're, they're having fun. They're making fun of you. Yeah. And, you know, being sarcastic. But once you get to life. federal court, if you want to be treated poorly in federal court, just go be an asshole there, right? But if you want to be treated well, you don't even have to not treat other people. You just have to just – Keep Mind your, your own business, keep right? Keep your mouth shut. Um, but I remember telling you early on, I said, this is very important. They have to like you. They have to, they have to know you. And you can't, you can't be a dickhead here. Right? You can't do that. And it was because I was, that's my philosophy on, on court in general. It's like we want – look, you did what you did or maybe you did what you did or they're accusing you of doing something. 
It doesn't mean that we have to act like jerks just to defend it. I don't have to bang the table and scream not guilty as loud as I can and say the cause says you shouldn't be able to. I don't play that game. I wanted to get you out of jail. Right? It's like mm-hmm. I don't care how that happens. I wanted you out. I wanted you home. And uh, I guess I told you to get a cheeseburger. You just said you get a cheeseburger, take a shower. I said, well, thank you. I was like, do I know you? And you're like, no, nah, you don't know me. I was like, no, nah, I, th- I think I know you. I think I met you. Now, nah, yeah, yeah, maybe you know me. I'm probably thinking I've crapped out of conflict. And I'm, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, all right, all right. We can come to bed to that later is yeah. how I figure out how I may have known Steve. And you didn't say you, well. You I, like, I, I didn't. Like, I didn't know it. Took, you like, it, pull, you it, like pulled pork? No, you it, like white chili. Well, so we get on that. We can go multiple ways of pulled pork and the chili. I lucked out on all the raids. Newark was my SWAT team. Um, sheriffs, local PD. Now that was it too. The local PD knew me. They came in my restaurant. They ate there all the time. They felt kind of slighted because this was a federal case. And the Federals knew that oh. they were coming in. They knew the sh- so they did not let the sheriffs know. They did not let they did not let the local Johnstown PD know. Yeah, I'm sure they were like, we can't. They're they're close. So oh, you think they you know, saw that? So at one point in time, when they're going to do all the raids, they're hitting everybody's house at the same time in the morning. Yeah. So they're sitting around like you know, hey, hey, baby, we're gonna work early. Got to go kick in a door, somebody. And they get their paperwork, and they're like, we're going to Jared's house. Oh. And then the fed, the federalists of ours is like, you know him? They're like, yeah, we eat his restaurant all the time. Oh, oh, can you man. imagine? You know what I mean? But that was good for me because when they came in, they're like, hey, bro, we don't want to trash your house. Just tell us where everything's at. So it's like the AK is underneath the computer. Every single drawer has a pistol. Underneath my pillow is the Springfield forty five. The guns in the cases, the shotgun, you know what I mean? So I just had to sit there because they knew I had guns. I read the reports because once they released the, the – and you're like, oh, my goodness, once you start reading through this. On one day, they followed me, load up my guns, take them to, to, to aim high in, in New Albany where I had I would go there and, and shoot my just guns. Just shooting, yeah. And then they followed me from one house to another house to another house back to my house. Which at one point in time they went back to all of those houses. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what he's doing here. Well, like, and, and, well, they had photos of me. Like, this isn't probably a lawn and, and that's and that's what you said too. When you started out with that, I she I just started the house on fire, tackling the cop. I mean, I'm sitting here like this. Well, there's 120 plants in my basement. They showed me a bunch of photos. They went to all the other houses. This is not good. Yeah. yeah and guns and drugs. This is not yeah, good. Guns guns drug dealing drugs. 101. Now I, we have specifications. Then I come back, and I remember walking in, and it says, Stephen Palmer. Palmer. I know this name. We go and sit down, and you're like this. Well, you're looking at 10 to 40 years. And that... That's not all I said, but I think that's that's all not heard. all you said. That <laughs> yeah, is not right. all you said because, right. like, I what rarely... I did, what, what I didn't realize in, in becoming because I've been you know business owner, self employed for fifteen years. Once you get a staff, you become a loan shark, a camp counselor. Uh, you know what I mean? A, a friend, uh, you know, a, a yeah. mechanic. You know, with, with with your people and your crew that you didn't know you were signing up for all that. Like Steve didn't know that he was going to sign up to be my psychiatrist. He didn't know that he was going to sign up to help me through this walking journey. Maybe he did. I'm sure he does because he has to do it with numbers of his clients. And I used to be able to trade a bag of green for shoes and oil changes and motorcycle parts. I didn't have that anymore. And I remember one of the first meetings, Shorty had to go down, drop off paperwork, get something. I think it was drop off paper, drop off some cash, drop off some money to the <laughs> yeah. man. And I remember I was at the barbecue. I got a beef tenderloin, and I had all this. Oh. And I cooked this whole night. I called you. I said, "I, I got your. How many people you got in your office, Steve? How many? many? Oh man!" And I was like yeah. this. So I sent food, and every time I came, I brought this. food because, like I'd said before, food is powerful. Oh yeah. And if I can sit down and break bread with you, and I can show you what I have, I didn't just have grow houses, Steve. Yeah. I've got a barbecue. Yeah. I've got, I, you know, I mean, the Boy Scouts in Lincoln County did this awesome thing where they had the Pinewood Derby. Yeah. And we'd go out to Liberty. They let them use their showroom. And then they had this thing called the social, I mean, not the social, the the, the corporate challenge where Lash Chevrolet and, and I would and, and all these different companies would make their own race cars and we'd race. And they were like, you know, donate some money. Well, they'd have like 150 people there. Pulled pork, cheesy potatoes, cold sauce, spicy barbecue sauce, regular sauce. 
feeding everybody. Now, and and because I was I was a Boy Scout, I loved the pirate, and this was great. So I met people from there, and I and we the high schools, the big red band, and you know I knew my community, and I had this. I was like, there's more to me. That, yeah. you know I mean, I'm not just you yeah. know. I mean, there there there's more to me. You know, it's it's like you, I, you know, he's like they kind of like you, and I was like, for them to like me, they're gonna have to get to know me. See, and I was, this is me. And I was just Cooking's scratching me. the surface of this philosophy in those days because I was coming on my own weird journey anyway. And I was just like, I don't know. I guess I didn't do you, – you don't know this, but that was uh, – I didn't do that with everybody at that point. Never. I just I didn't. I can't think of anyone. I just didn't was, spend the time. The, time. I've been here. the food was good. The food was good. So <laughs> it was, was like awesome. you gave me – I would plan my day. You like, did I'm not bringing lunch a day. Jared's coming in. And I don't know that I would have done it with you except you would show up with food and we'd just start BSing, right? And we would talk. Right. And it was always about your case. And I always had this weird feeling in my head. Man, I was like, God, I don't want this relationship. Like, usually federal cases don't go so well, right? I mean, you, it's like we get good results for people, but it's like this is a big problem. And you, you, you held me through this. and at one point in time I had accepted it. I, 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 in my mind I was like and, – and I had nobody to blame. You know, and, and yeah. I, it was it was me, and I could have stopped it all by not doing it. Hmm. So at one point, it was like I, I just I wanted to give to anybody that would take, yeah. because I didn't know how long I had to give anymore. Well, and it's like yeah. this is this was the perfect storm, or maybe the perfect scenario. Maybe not storms aren't the right word, but you had gotten in big trouble on the one hand. On the other hand, you lived a really awesome, cool life where you were helping people, doing stuff for people. You're feeding cops, you're feeding firemen, you were doing this ride for pride. There was all this stuff that sort of came out in those months of representation, and I didn't. I was listening. I wasn't even taking notes on any of that crap. I was just listening. I just knew it. By the time we got through this case, I just sort of knew it, and. Uh, and the end game sort of changed how I uh, how I've done things ever since yeah. then. I mean, it really has. But back to the food, man. You would show oh, up. Man. <laughs> I'd be like, every we like, talk about rue and how I thickened the gumbo. Oh, we just didn't listen. And every take time notes. I wanted to bring something different, and I wanted to change. People it up. would be like, and, oh, and, I don't and, like br- Brussels sprouts. Well, you like these Brussels sprouts? They're with bacon and butter and that's everything. Right. I don't, that's <laughs> like, not my fault. Your grandma couldn't cook. Yeah, <laughs> don't blame me because your mom was a bad cook, brother. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here taste this. Yeah, oh, it was back always. Here taste this. Right. Yeah. That was my cart. Yeah, people come. I still got tiger sauce in my fridge. That here taste this. Use that pork a little tiger sauce right here. Yeah, if I got a pork, I got. Have the tiger sauce on there, <laughs> so the, and, I, and I made my own hot sauces, and I would you know make oh. people hot sauces, and and I, well, we had we had you know, the food was a part, and and the community was a part, and now I did luck out also in Johnstown because there were a number of people that are like this boy. Well, my one neighbor, I get I'm out, and I'm driving down. He flags me down, and he's like, "Hey, hey!" I come in. He's like, like, "Here it comes, right?" He's like, "Yep." Yeah. Me and my wife watched him raid your house. I was also on Dispatch, USA Today, Channel 4, 28, um, the Newark Advocate. A lot of these are still out there on the Internet. Um, he was like, and we couldn't believe it. You lived here. We've known you for over five years. You never came down and party with us once. <laughs> man, dude. You want paper? Yeah. Oh, that's too bad, man. That's too bad. And uh, there, there were – if I had had heroin or crack or something like that – but it was like the community was kind of like, yeah, weed. I mean, they were just growing pot. Right? Yeah, yeah, weed. Yeah. Well, I mean, they went in. They shut the barbecue down. They raided the barbecue. They went through that. They, you know, they, you know, the IRS is coming in, and it's just, it's getting. It was, it, it got big. You know, I, I don't know if I want to say it. In the long run, it was all the best things to happen for me in my life from where I'm at today. And I said that, you know, I said, why, why didn't I die? And I'm learning now why I didn't, because I needed to grow up. I needed to, if I would have, and you've heard the story, if he'd only taken his knowledge and what he did, and I'd always was like, well, I am. But I wasn't putting 100% into my legal businesses. I wasn't putting 100%. It takes hours and times. And I was, I was stealing from myself. I didn't know that. You know what I mean? For a number of years... I was robbing myself. Mm. I robbed myself of, of bigger businesses that I could be in now if I would have just put me. And that was the one question. And you asked me, and then people would go through the paperwork, and it was like, why? 
Why do? Why are you doing right. this? Yeah, right. What's I didn't come up? from a poor. I mean, like middle class. My dad's a great guy. I had, he had more than everything I could ever want growing up. You know, I, I I had a business. I I got to work under some of the top chefs. I you know, and and we can go on to that. Chef Nicky Morris who took me around. He's he's been on Food Network. He's 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 was Jegs's private chef. He went on and. And I remember in 1992, he took me to be a sous chef in Bath, Maine. I was running around and partying, and he did not like that at all. And he did not like hearing that I was out eating acid. He mm. did not. He did not yeah. like. I liked it. I'm on the beach right, with digging awesome, clams, man. man. I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, what I mean, I was 17 years old. I had a fake idea since I was 21. I'm in Maine. I could be anybody I wanted to be because I go out with these older kids. They all thought I was of age. I'm getting ID'd. Everything's fine. I'm buying beer. He's, he's a chef. Yeah. You know, he just looks young. Yeah. But and once again, I started out in the industry when I moved to Ohio. I, I, I mean, I, was, and I understand bullying, and I was bullied, and I was beat up, and I was miserable, and I didn't want to go to school. When I found that job, and I found that there's a life after school, I, I kind of put school aside. I'm dyslexic. I, I struggled learning development. I had, you know, there. I found that I could work, and I found that I can learn by watching, and 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 then that's when I ran with the food, and that's when I went there. But then it also, you put a fourteen, sixteen year old kid down on campus parties. You know, what I mean, I hung out with an older crowd, and the food and beverage industry is a wild industry. Yeah, it's just it a is wild a last. party industry. We talk about the country clubs. I said it before. I remember, I was food and beverage director. We got catering parties going on. Different. I had a drink poured in the basement in all the ballrooms. I can't walk around drinking like hey, but I would I would drink at my job, and then part of my job was to sit down with members and drink with them. Drinking was part of my job. Required. Required. Sort of like being a lawyer. And yeah, sometimes. So you know, in in in. You know, it came down to there too. Here, here, this is a good one because I'm. I, I, I grew marijuana on the golf course. <laughs> that is now, awesome. Now right. here's here's, like, here's the thing on that. So I'm there. That's Caddyshack right there. The, the, the sheriff, yeah, right. the sheriff will stop by. You know, I would the hook them up with steaks and dinners. The the police station's right down on Olry Road. They're coming over. Yeah, Columbus Substation. Okay, right yeah, Columbus Substation. I knew those guys. They were, they were cool, and, and I would always do the card games and things. So I was always there late. I'd be there at 5 o'clock in the morning. This is before cell phones. You know, so, you know people call the, the landline. I'd have to unlock the door to let them in. Dick Roby's up there, car guys, people playing big poker games. I'm making money off of that. Now, then again, I had $25 napkins to some of those golfers. Their wives don't let them Ooh. burn down anymore, so they got their right. buddies on the golf course. They come get a bag of beer. Get one of them napkins. Boom. Here's a big fat bud. They smoke it on the course. <laughs> so then kids would steal yeah, the flags. And they would trespass, their napkins. And they would trespass on the course. So I'd get a golf cart and my shirt on, and I would drive around. I'd key the place and code to the place and everything. It was my, and they got mad there in my playground. We can talk about that. Bar closing with some girls. I know a place that's open. It's got a swimming pool and everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's go along and pop the champagne. It was after hours. Yeah. And I would load up the cart with water jugs, and I would drive around there. And I, So if I ever got caught, I was like, that's Jared. Well, what's he doing? Of course, the kids are out here making sure I'm just out here checking it out. And then I would, while they were playing golf along the golf course, I had plants out there. That is awesome. <laughs> How'd you keep them? I mean, they got grounds crew and stuff. How do you keep that hidden? Well, you go off the course. You go in the, the woods, woods you go or in something. The area. Okay. There's, there was a creek that ran by it. You could go down there in the creek beds and you just go off into the woods. Gotcha. I mean, it was off the course, you know, but I always, if, yeah. how am I going to get caught in my mind? Yeah. I mean, it's like right. why would you? Oh, who's flying over a golf yeah, course to check for pot? Look, this is this is back to life. How are you going to get caught? Because it's never enough. Yeah, you it's keep never going. enough. It's like that that kind of that kind of thrill, which is really what it's about. Right? Well, that was a big part of it. Right. It's if you've got to break down a house and you've got it packed full of plants, and you're sitting at a McDonald's parking lot, sitting out there eating, looking at that Ryder truck, knowing what's in it. Actually, U-Hoff Morris Road used to boy, they got great business from us. And uh, <laughs> and there was there's yeah, something right. about like I said when you got one house to another about moving it and driving it. It's there's a rush. adrenaline. Ooh. I mean the adrenaline is huge, but it's never done. It's never enough. It's it's like eating sugar, right? It's like it's good for that couple I, bites. I, I got caught at more. the right time. I got caught at the right time. I I, I did, and 
and I was I was I was I was blessed to get caught. Um, like I say, you know, my mother and father were like, "What? Yeah, How did we not know this?" Now they lived in Kentucky at the time. You know, yeah. they, they. I mean, right? Because now, 1992 is whenever I got a job in Bath, Maine. I had to leave my high school. I was in high school, and I had to leave two months early my junior year and come back a month late. And I had to go in front of the board and talk to them. And they saw what they were going to pay me, and they saw the job. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And it was like, I wasn't taking any classes but the bare minimum. And if I was scraping by, I was like, can I, I can graduate with D's, right? You know, they were like, they were like this yeah. guy right here, yeah, take the job. Yeah, that's your, that's your so, calling. So now I go to Maine, and I'm 21 at 17. And I'm getting paid. And I've got a job. And there's there's other things. There's like there's the Hermit Island was a big campground, and there's a a summer camp. I meet the tennis instructor in the cell, and it was just. And when I came back, I was like, live at home. Yeah, done. Yeah, done. You know. And then I think that was when they found out that I had, that I had been smoking some marijuana. They they found some in my room, and my mom was mad, and, and I feel bad. She wrote a letter about how I crushed her, and this is their house. And, so I went to them, and I said, you know, you guys are right. This is your house. And they said, either the drugs go or you go. So I said, you're right. And I moved out. Yeah. It was like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I graduated. I moved out, stayed around, and got an apartment, finished high school. and But then, but from there on, I've, I've been out. Right. I've, I've, now, they probably knew more. I would guess they knew more. Than you, than you really thought. They, maybe they didn't know the details, but I'll bet you they had their suspicions. I mean, well, just rocking and rolling around with a lot of stuff, doing a lot of things, and your dad, yeah, he's, he's no, no, he's he, he he is you know he is my idol, and and he is the you know in in these past few years too, boy, we've gotten a lot closer. But and you, that's a great thing because that was something. See, I was robbing. I kept. If you really look back on it, I would steal for myself. I stole years of being tight with my father. To do that, yeah, yeah. Listen to that mic drop. You know, you get, sometimes it's tough. To, you don't, you don't see it. You don't realize that. Well, look at it from you your, were stealing from yourself. Look at it from your dad's perspective, because he knew something was up. Somewhere in his heart of hearts, he had to have known something was up. But as a parent, you, you just know, especially as a dad of a son, you just you, you know. There's certain lessons you can't force down people's throats. Right? Oh, if you, you ask just, my dad sending me to Maine, yeah, was just, his worst decision he ever made, letting me go. Daddy could have mm. stopped, but maybe. You then, know. then you would have just said, screw it, I'm leaving, right? You yeah. you had to go do what you had to do. I mean, it would the journey would have been the same. You wouldn't be here. And you wouldn't be sitting here. So yep. it's just this, it's this weird sort of uh, odyssey that you've been on. But, you know, where were we anyway? We were talking about, how, oh, you know, you asked me if I knew you, if I'd ever yeah. met you. And I was like, eh, I don't know this guy. And, and I was thinking, well, shit, I hope I don't because that means I might have a conflict or something. I can't do the case. So it was it – was, so I guess we go ahead and just break this out. It's not the biggest thing there. But so at one point in time, I started thinking, started thinking, and I remembered. And I'll, I'll start off how I clued him in on it. I said, hey, uh, Steve, you and your brother making a home movie once and you guys are like kids, teens or something. <laughs> And you broke your mom's knife. And that's what I heard, dead silence. Because how would, why would I know wow. this story? How 20 years later does some how, guy How know does he story? know this story? We talked like, about this, Mystic Jared. And I was yeah. like this. I was like, I'm the guy that fixed that knife. And I was like, that is crazy. Oh. So I was at New Albany Country Club. And uh, once again, party scene, none and none. There was this, this 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 cute girl that worked over there at the deli next to the pool. She's parents are out of town, man. She's having a party. I get invited. Game on, bro. Yeah. I get over to this house, nice house, man. Great stereo system. Pink Floyd Pulse had just came out. I remember I was rocking a Pink Floyd Pulse. 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 I think it was must have been ninety four. And uh swimming pool. And man, I'm like hanging out over there and I'm just kicking it and uh, next thing I I end up, I end up hanging out there for the summer. And, staying there, uh, yeah, kind of staying there. Well, the mother was 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 in Europe. The father was a uh, professor and was like living downtown. I think he had a condo or something down there. Yeah, he was no, he was probably out. if it was summer, he was yeah. probably gone too. He was yeah. gone or whatever. He was. Yeah. They were gone. It was just the summer, 
and the brother was where you grad was was in was in law school. So this is ninety two. I was living down here in law school. Yeah, and I wouldn't have gone up there. Yeah, look, I was I had my own party going on. Now down here. there's pictures in families' houses and and memorabilia of their kids. It's things laying around and things like that. And that's whenever I was like this. That's how I knew his face was from his mom's house that I partied at <laughs> about that, that whole summer. <laughs> and I remember walking in I the office. Violated, right? <laughs> I remember walking in the office. I was like, Palmer, Palmer. I was like, no way, no way. Then I was like, I remember she said, yeah, she had a brother. <laughs> I was in law school. And then, so I remember once I'm over there and mom comes back. She's back from Europe. She's back from the vacation. And I'm over there and she's like, ah, oh, this knife. I used to love this knife. And I was like, well, that's a Henkel knife. I was like, it's got a lifetime on it. Give it to me. I'll take it down to the, I'll, I'll go get you a new knife. You would do, uh, yeah, I'll get you a new knife. So I gave her a new knife. That's the knife. least I can do, right? So I gave her a new knife. And, and how I was going to bring that up, that I used to run around with your sister, was uh, junior brother break a knife. And then, too, I remember I said I was at the barbecue that hung up, and I was like this, I freaked out. You asked right for I was like, what did I do? Why did I do that? I was like, now he's probably like, uh, I was like, now he's not going to work hard on my case. Or he's going to be like, this weirdo here used to be with my sister. And I was like, oh, my you God, what did I my do? Sister. I was like, why did, why did I you say anything? Why did I say anything? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but so then it was there. But then, you know, we sat down and talked, and Steve did get to know me. And, and, he, and he was like, this is the guy that we need to get out there. And, and 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 the food. It comes back to the food. The food is big. The food was there. And then, you know, we had to learn a lot about, or you had to learn a lot about what how you defend these federal dope cases because, and here's the trick to these things. They can usually prove it. Right? <laughs> so, they, don't, they don't come through your door if they're not yeah. case. It's like they can usually prove their case. <laughs> and there was a mountain of evidence. And, you know, your prosecutor was. They found uh, a half pound that I didn't even know was there. <laughs> Right. Okay. They, they, they were, they, I remember they're like, what about that in the cooler? And I was like, what in the cooler? And they bring it up, and I was like, oh, where'd you find that? That's oregano. I was like, oh, man, it was killer purple cut. It was it was some really good stuff. It was some, it was some personal. It was, they're like, this is all personal. But here's it's for my cataract. Now, I will tell you this, though, is that I used, I mean, I w- a quarter pound a month. Personally, Personal. you used it? Yeah. Personal. That was, that yeah, was the amount of now, but but and people were like, "There's no way." And I was like, "Hell yeah, I, I did that. I I wouldn't leave the house and the dube tube, the M M&M and M tubes. They were great because they snapped and sealed in the smell. Yeah. They fit. They fit. They fit five really big joints. And like if I was on my scoot and I was riding out of the house, I was like, I ain't got I'd turn around and go back and get it. Because even if I didn't need it, once again, those right there, he buy tabs, buys buys steak dinners, he buys everything. He just. You just throw it out, and uh, how do you, how do you vol- know how to do that? We could talk about the volcano. The volcano, uh, the, yeah, because I, I was vaporizing uh, before. Uh, well, I was still smoking my cigarettes. Uh, German engineering. It's a prime machine. Um, it 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 vaporizes the THC off. I remember the those things. I remember. And it fill, it fills up a bag, and uh, but it takes like eight to ten minutes to heat up. Who's got eight to ten minutes? <laughs> so I would put eight it on. I, I would put it on a timer, so it would go off ten minutes before my alarm clock went off. Really? So, you so could, I would get up in the morning because I could go to the barbecue. It's like setting it's a like, coffee it's, maker. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like it's like four or five in the morning. I gotta get the barbecue. I gotta get the ribs. I gotta get things going. So crush a bag, take a shower, get the dubs, let's roll. You know what I mean? Off, off to the races. Whew. Can you imagine? It's like I set my. I used to, uh, there's. I would go through times in my life where I'd set the coffee maker and be like really on my game. I'm going to set the coffee maker so I don't have to make it and wait eight to ten minutes. It's just going to be waiting for me. You were doing it. That's <laughs> that's, that, that's right. planning right there. You know, and but that was it too. That people would come in and be like to the party, like we didn't even know you you got high. I'd be like, really? Well, that's because you never saw me not high. Yeah, that right? was well, that right. was it. Yeah, and yeah. I used to do that when I was younger. Like sometimes I, I was always really good at job interviews. Sometimes I would take job interviews, not take the job, just because I wanted to get that communication down. And I always told my friends, I was like, get really stoned. That way, (laughs) you always look like that. That way, they never catch on. Right. You don't know what he looks like sober. (laughs) I mean, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Which is, I mean, 
that was your world, right? You had this whole sort of half world. I can't and, believe I'm podcasting this. <laughs> I think the entire podcast community is happy for that. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. Let's talk about it's honesty. Okay, let's I, get back. Let's I get think, back to the races. I think what we need to do is talk about where this goes from here because we've got the Blinsky Chronicles here at Lawyer Talk off the record. Um, I'm thinking we got a lot more to talk about. We we we've we've hinted about New York. That's a whole tale of on its own. Th- those are tales. We're just kind of running through us getting you know down to now. You would have friends that you would invite over because I'd always cook extra food. So you had other lawyers and other business people down here. And in my mind, too, was like this. Hey, man, if they eat my food, taste this, I can score their office. It got to the point where Goldstein was coming down. Yeah. Oh, everybody would be. Yeah, yeah, it's like you can smell it. It's like, do you want me to come to your house and cook this? I was building business up because I had legal fees. I've got to, you know, it's like this. Yeah, watch this. Right. I will secretly get them to pay for it. Right, so, you know, it's like, and it did. Right, we we hired you to some Christmas stuff. There were some other things. Golf outings, golf outings, and and it it got to the point where, well, here we were, we were talking about federal defense. It's like if you can't beat them, sometimes you have to join them ah. in the feds. And that doesn't mean that you're telling on everybody in the whole entire world. It doesn't mean that you become a no-good rat think. I had nobody to tell on. But there was nobody to tell on, right? So that was one of the problems with your case. That was a problem. I could tell on dead people. And that was what I did. I I, I could tell them about Bill Owens. They wanted to know about Bill Owens. And that was the guy that I trained. They had multiple questions. Even though he's dead, they wanted to know his operation. Because they they were were on. When he he must have known, because they were on his heels. Whenever he decided to off himself. Well, that's why you heard the word kingpin. Well, because you don't have anybody under you to talk about. And the problem is, when you have that, here's what, here's what happens. If you happen to be the person, and all you guys were the same, right? I mean, yeah. nobody had anybody to tell on except themselves. We had nobody to tell on. And they already knew who was. He's like, well, you've already been to his house, and you've been to his. I mean, you guys, then they show you the pictures of us all hanging out. And, right. like, in New York, I had a friend that had, had a livery service. He had he he would he would transport. You know I mean he had limos and he had he had he had sedan. So who wants to get a DUI? Nobody wants to get a DUI. So hire a limo to drive you around. That you get out is like Cheech and Chong. And you know what I mean? And we had a guy. We had when we would go out. It was just we would go out and we'd walk into bars, but we had nice tailored shirts, man, and watches, and and the whole crew would come in just reeking. And then every now that we'd walk out of the bar back over. I mean, one time over here, I remember that the the was the brewery right Posters, there, Posters yeah. right over there. We used to go there in the limo. And just ever so now we're rolling around in limos. We're going to strip clubs and limos. Dinner. We got limos. That's just how we roll. It's like a kid rock song, man. And and it was just it was game on. It's like you blow, want, man. You want to get in the limo? Let's get in the limo. Let's roll. And once again, it was multiple of us that were all doing the same thing. So everybody had the dube tubes. Everybody had pockets <laughs> full of weed. And we would just go around town like the merry weed Whitman, just just throwing out weed to everybody. He wants weed, have some weed. Right. And we talk to somebody and you have a big fat doobie, a kind buddy, you start smoking with a stranger and then you leave it with them. They'd be like, What are you? I was like, Yeah, man, just keep it. Or I remember I'd be rolling in my brome. We're laying back in the brome, dog. What's, a, what's a brome? Cadillac brome. Oh, I don't know that. You need, you, you need, I drive a Toyota. You, you gotta get on some NWA. I drive a you need Toyota. To some Dre. Corolla. You need to get back. Oh, listen to Dre. Rap. Oh, they I, talk I got, about the bromes, dog. No, I, I got the chronic, man. I like it. All right. So, so I'm rolling in the brome, and I'd flick it out the window. And they'd be like, did you just? I'm like, yeah. What do I care? I'm sneezing in hundreds here. People would come over and they would they would find weed on the floors of my house, and uh, they'd be like, they'd find me like, man, you can have all the flow bud you want. They'd be like, what? I can have it. I'm like, yeah, you you won't clean up my floor. Flow bud. Flow bud. You want some flow bud? Get the flow bud, dog. Go and pick it up. Just take the shit out. I'll get five dog hairs in this shit, anyhow, man. Just take the flow bud. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) And here's what's funny about all this. Here's what I find out. So I, I, I got you over here, and you're, you know, you're, you're bringing food and us, and I go set up my meetings. I'm talking to U.S. attorneys. I start to see pictures of all this crap, and they know it all. Oh, and I'm trying to give, like, I'm trying to downplay. Oh, this a little well, bit. here's like, one part too. This is this is the worst. Well, I, I screwed myself. It was the worst. So after the accident, my birthday is in June, and Shorty had a surprise party for me. And when they're doing investigations, they always like to say, I have the daughter's birthday. Now they're looking for, so you got a warrant, go to the daughter, you go to the mom, baby mama's house, 
dad might stop by with a doll. You mm. know what I mean? Birthdays, that's a big thing. So there's cornfields all around my house. And so my parents, everybody was there. Then most people leave. Then there's a group of us standing out in the back, burning down. And they are in the cornfield, recording devices and everything. And we're standing out there, and we start telling stories. Me and the dude. I was calling the dude. Everybody knows the dude. The dude. The dude. The dude's the dude that got me in. And we're telling stories about Bill and outdoor stories and cutting it. You know what I mean? Here comes the farmer cutting down. You know, he's cutting down the cornfield. And we're out there trying to harvest before they hit our batch. And we're running. We hear dogs. And, and I mean, there's the, if you want to get into story, we should, we will have story time, story time. There's good stories there. But if we were telling those stories while federal agents are right there. Right. And they're like, this is beautiful. <laughs> They Here's like, our case. They were like, here it goes. They're going to yeah. give us everything. And you did. And then I'm going to talk to the U.S. Attorney's Office as He's well. He's a really as good guy. The He's DEA guy. It's not what you think. And I'm just yeah. like, look, you know, these are just a bunch of kids. And they're like, wait a minute. And they start showing me this it's stuff. It's like play. And they start sharing this stuff with me. And I pick up the phone. <laughs> I call you. I was like, you know, there's a, they know a lot. You know, it's like, well, what do they know? Well, like, how much just, is a lot? I like, just assume they know everything. Let's start there. So then we had to sort of go back and, and figure it out. But again, yeah. One of the guys was keeping notes at a ledger. Oh, yeah. oh my God. I was like, why did you keep. I was like, you wrote this. He's like, I thought I burned all of that. I was like, nah, dude, you didn't. They got it. You burned something else. <laughs> wrong papers you burned, right? So it's like, you get a dope case, and I'm thinking, all right, I got to defend this case somehow. There's no real Fourth Amendment issue because they got more than enough evidence to get a, a warrant. And they, even if they didn't, they found tons of evidence where they didn't need warrants. Yeah, that floor weed. Yeah. Floba. And then you, got, then you got the other option, which is maybe they can't prove that you were doing it. I was like, well, they got snitches. They got video. They got <gasps> surveillance. They got confessions on surveillance. They got New York. We're going to talk about New York some of these days. They got all this stuff. So then you become a snitch. As another possibility, and I'm, I start talking to you about it, and I quickly learned that they know everything. Who are you going to tell on, right? You're going to just go stand in the mirror and start talking about yourself. So then you get this sort of last nebulous category that criminal defense falls into. They have to like us. And then we just got to sort of beg for mercy without looking like we're begging for mercy, but just try to finesse somehow the best result we can get out of a criminal case. And that's where the money's made in my business, right? That's the money's made. Everybody's like, oh, man, that guy's awesome. He got me out of this. And I'm looking at him like, yeah, I mean, something happened. One way or another, something happened. But sometimes there's nothing that happens. Sometimes it just sort of magically, sometimes it's because the lawyers did a good job. And that is only, at least in my situation, that is almost always because I have a client who does a good job. Not getting caught, but either in the rest of their life or afterward, I have something to work with and a lesson that your case taught me was just that we will get to more of this though it's not time for that we will get to more of it on lawyer talk off the record here on the blinsky chronicles i just keep writing notes here the list gets longer and longer of all these episodes so Let's keep it rolling tune in uh stand by this is lawyer talk off the record but on the air with jared blitzky until now